So today I get to have the honor and privilege of sharing with you about hope. What a great topic. Um, so I just want to start out with a little story. There was an elderly woman that walked into a local church at Christmas. The friendly usher greeted her at the door and helped her up a flight of stairs. Where would you like to sit, he asked politely. The front row, please, she answered. You really don't want to do that, the usher said. The pastor's really boring. <laughs> do you happen to know who I am, the woman inquired. No, he said. I'm the pastor's mother, she said indignantly. <laughs> he said, do you happen to know who I am, the usher said. No, she said. Good, he answered. <laughs> so oh, I thought that one was pretty good. Hopefully, I'm not going to bore you this morning. But today, we get to celebrate Advent. Advent simply means coming. Coming. On this first Sunday of Advent, many churches light a candle as a symbol of hope, which we've done this morning. And this tradition recalls the hope God's people clung to through generations of anticipating the first coming of the Messiah and the hope that we have in waiting for Christ's second coming. So I'm going to talk a little bit about hope, give you some biblical definitions of hope, and then I've got three points. I'm doing a pastor mat here. Then I have three points, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to have communion. Um, but I'm just trusting that God is going to really touch your heart this morning and infuse hope into those areas of your life that need it today. Optimism and hope are radically different things. Optimism is the expectation that things, the weather, human relationships, the economy, the political situation will get better. But hope is trust that God will fulfill his promises to us in a way that leads us to true freedom. The optimist speaks about concrete changes in the future, but the person of hope lives in the moment with the knowledge and the trust that all of life is in good hands. I love that quote. C.S. Lewis says that hope is a continual looking forward to the eternal world. So some biblical definitions of hope, because you know I'm a Hebrew and Greek scholar. <clears throat> Not really. But I did look this up, because I wanted to really understand it a bit better. So there's two main Hebrew words in the translated as hope in the Old Testament. The first one is yakal. I don't know how you say it. It appears 48 times, and it means to wait or be patient. It's often associated with waiting on God and waiting on his word and his promises, like in Job where it says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Sometimes it's used when continu waiting continually or enduring for a long time. I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. The second word is tikva, which means to expect. So in conclusion, in the Old Testament, it, hope means to wait for something with expectation and anticipation that it will happen. The New Testament Greek word is elpis, which means expectation, trust, and confidence. It appears over 50 times in the New Testament. It comes from the root word elpo, which means to anticipate with pleasure and to welcome. 
Elpis is an expectation of what is guaranteed. So hope in the New Testament means a reasonable expectation, looking forward to the future with assurance. Hope in the Bible is not a mere wish, as used today, that implies doubt. On the contrary, it's confidently, confidently expecting that something will happen and waiting patiently for it with joy and pleasure. John Piper put it this way, Christian hope is a confidence that something will come to pass because God has promised that it will come to pass. And this is one of my favorite uh, phrases. Hope is looking expectantly toward the future based on our faith in God in the present and his faithfulness in the past. I love it. Christians need to have hope. It motivates us to move forward because life is a never-ending flow of hardships and trials. And when we have hope, we can navigate those turbulent waters without despair. We can have joy and peace despite our circumstances because we know that we have a God that works all things together for our good. Desmond Tutu said, Hope is being able to see that there is light despite darkness. Now, I want to look, dive into a scripture here this morning, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And I want to talk about hope being an anchor. Now, we've got Pastor John here, Captain John here this morning. He knows a lot about anchors, as he's got a boat called the Porpoise. He could probably tell us some anchor stories, I'm sure. But Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 talks about hope being an anchor for our souls. And I want to read it to you in the New Living Transition. God did this by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged because we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hope, an anchor. In the message, it says, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope, grab it with both hands, and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God, where Jesus is and has run ahead of us. I love it in the Amplified Bible. There's two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to him for refuge would be strong encouragement, this is obviously the Amplified, and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope before us. This hope, this hope that we have, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. And it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. It's a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, the most holy place where the presence of God dwells. You think about an anchor. An anchor is something that we are tethered to. It's something that's immovable. It's something that is eternal. It's something that is unshakable. And that anchor is attached to you. I was thinking about 
you know, an anchor isn't any good unless you drop it and it attaches to something. But John 10, 28 says that nothing, nothing can snatch you or grab you or pluck you from the Father's hand. An anchor keeps you from going adrift, right? It keeps you from getting shipwrecked. I was thinking about, as I was reflecting back on my life, and I'm sure as you would reflect back on your life, you'd see lots of ups and downs, right? You've seen lots of mountaintop experiences and some valleys that you've had to walk through. And I was reflecting on that this week and thinking about how this concept of hope being an anchor has held me steady in times where I could have shipwrecked and gone adrift. Now, I'm so glad Pastor John's here this morning because Pastor John and Liza have absolutely seen me at my lowest points, the lowest points of my life. I'm going to start crying. Times of grief and times of brokenness, times of pastoral burnout, times when I've had to navigate heartbreaking situations with my children, times when I've had to walk through grief with, I mean, we've walked through grief with both sets of parents, um, and also probably about, I would say, 14 years ago, our marriage just hit a wall. Can I be really real with you today? Our marriage hit a wall, and we've always been very committed to each other, very, um, yeah, we're in it for the long haul. But, you know, every relationship has its challenges. Every relationship, if you're in relationship with someone, you're going to have some moments where you're going to have to navigate some things. And, uh, and, man, I remember just feeling hopeless at times, that we were going to break through whatever this wall was that we had come up against. There had been some really tough things that we'd had to navigate in ministry, and it had really impacted our relationship. I remember driving over the Golden Ears Bridge. We were living in Maple Ridge at the time, and we were actually going, I was going to meet with uh, Liza and John, and I was crying so hard, I could hardly see the road. <laughs> and I was crying out to God, and I said, God, I don't know how you're ever going to break through this. You ever been there? where you just feel so overwhelmed and so broken and so helpless, and you don't see the way out. You don't see the answers. You don't see how God is able to redeem this, how he's able to break through this, how he's able to bring you through the other side. And I actually had to pull over when I got out. I'm surprised I made it without, there must have been angels carrying my car because I was weeping so much. And it was a hard season. It was a hard season. What kept me from running? What kept me from bailing out? What kept me from giving up? What kept me from giving up on our marriage? What kept me from giving up on ministry? What kept me from just taking the easy way out? It was an anchor. It was an anchor that was, I was so tethered to it. Because even though I didn't know what was going on and I didn't have the strength and I didn't have the wisdom and I didn't have the grace and I, didn't, I just didn't have it. I was just a mess. But God did. He was the anchor that kept me steady. I felt shipwrecked, but I was tethered to him. 
He was, he was tethered to me, and he was holding me steady, and he had a plan, and he had a place, and he knew how he was going to bring us through and make our relationship better than it ever was. But I sure didn't see it at the time. Right? Yeah. We did a lot of counseling, by the way. I just want to release you guys to go for counseling if you need it. You know, like, I think sometimes as Christians, we're just like, how's it going? Great, great, it's going great. But sometimes it's not going great. And sometimes you need help. And sometimes you need to reach out and go for prayer. And sometimes you need to be open-hearted and vulnerable with people and just get really real. This is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm at. And you know how God loves that. God loves it when we're real with him. And he loves it when we're real with each other. And you need a safe landing place to be able to navigate some of those things. But man, walking through some heartbreak with our kids, when I'd just be on the floor weeping and just saying, God, I don't know how you're going to bring this about. I don't know how you're going to make these changes. I don't know how this is going to turn out. But God. But God. He is an anchor. He is unmovable. He is, he's tethered to you. And he will keep you from going adrift. And he'll keep you from shipwrecking. But you got to know where your anchor is. I mean, if you've got your hope in other things like yourself or your own wisdom or your finances, you're going to shipwreck. I love uh, this quote from Ann Voskamp from her Advent uh, devotional. If you hope in things, you can lose hope. If you hope in plans, in expectations, in dreams, in outcomes, in jobs, in bank accounts, in medicine, in people, in timelines, you can lose hope. Any of those things can wander off and fall through and disappear, taking your hope with it. But if you hope in Jesus, hope goes wherever you go because Jesus goes with you. When you're going through dark days, keep on going because Jesus goes with you and he's your hope and he's going through whatever you're going through. Hope only seems lost when you can't find a way forward. Now, I love this. You don't need to know the way forward because hope has a map and hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is the way. And when he's your way, there's always a way forward. Man, I remember, well, 13 years ago, we had gone through this tough uh, time in our marriage and in our ministry. We were taking a sabbatical. Lots of you know this story. It's one of those times where we'd been, in, we'd been pastoring for close to 30 years, and um, we thought we needed a, a little oil changed when we needed a transmission overhaul. Some things aren't on your timeline. Some things take longer to heal. Think, you know, hard things, sometimes God has a different idea of when you're okay. And so we went through this process of, of healing and, and refiguring. You know, someone said to me, I was talking to them about, you know, working through relationship issues and and this woman had been married for over 40 years, and she said, marriages can't change. It just is what it is. I beg to differ. 
I really do. I, it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been married, you know, whatever state your relationship is, God can come in and change anything. And we're living proof. How long have we been married? 44? 44 years? Hasn't been all rosy. Oh, it's Pastor Mike and Ann. We always say We always say the secret to our marriage is driving to church in separate cars. <laughs> it's true. It's really true. Try it. <laughs> but, you know, during that season, we... Uh, I mean, it's a long story. I'm going to try and make a portion of it short. But uh, we ended up having to give up our church in Maple Ridge. We wanted to go back, but the door closed, and we were heartbroken. And we saw no way forward. I mean, we were serving at Southgate Church. We were stacking chairs. We were working the Connect desk. We were, you know, doing whatever they needed. And we just thought, God, we're just laying everything down at your We don't need to be pastors. We know how hard it is. (laughs) We know. God has to call you. We're not trying to grab onto a position. We're trying trying to make something happen or put ourselves forward. We just laid it all down. We just died to it. You ever had to die to a vision, die to a dream, die to something that was so dear to your heart? We had no way forward. We just thought, well, we're just going to be faithful. We're going to hang on to our anchor, and we're going to be faithful, and we're going to serve. And here we are at Life Church, which has been the most wonderful, amazing, what, 13 years? Season of life and love and joy in ministry than we've ever walked through. It was kind of, I felt, I always say to the Lord, this is just a reward for those 25 years in Maple Ridge that were so hard, right? <laughs> we love it. But at the time, we didn't have a map. We didn't have a timeline. We didn't know the way forward. But hope has a map. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Hope has a map forward. Hope has a timeline that isn't yours. And he's going to make a way. Because he is the way. Through the dark advent of hope, through the dark of advent, there's a hope that whispers, God is here. Hope is the one constant because Jesus is constantly with you. And Jesus knows turns that you've never heard of. He makes roads that you wouldn't have dreamed of. He makes miracles happen exactly where you never would have imagined. There's a reason he's called the way. Christian hope is an anchor. Christian hope is empowering. Hebrews 12, 2 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down and the sin that trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated in the place of honor because beside God's throne. 
think of all the hostility he endured from, from sinful people, and then you won't get weary and give up. That's empowering. I love it. In, uh, in the message, it says, he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alight alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. John Maxwell said, if there's hope in the future, then there's power in the present. Pope Benedict said, one who hopes lives differently. I want to read you this article from Parade Magazine. It's the story of a self-made millionaire, Eugene Land, who greatly changed the lives of a sixth-grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth-graders. What could he say to inspire these students, most of whom would drop out of school? He wondered how he could get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children to even to look at him. Scrapping his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart. Stay in school, he admonished, and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. And at that moment, the lives of these children changed. For the first time, they had hope. Said one student, I had something to look forward to, something that was waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. The power of hope. The power of hope. And as Christians, we've got something way bigger and better than a college tuition to look forward to. And that's empowering. That empowers our daily lives. When you have something to look forward to, it motivates you to keep going with an eye to the future. Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written previously was written for our instruction, that by endurance and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. My third point, boy, I'm just whipping through these today. It's good because we have communion. Christian hope is renewable. You know that? Christian hope is renewable. Sometimes your hope runs dry, and you need to be reminded of your anchor, and you need to be reminded so that you can be empowered again. And I think that's probably one of the most wonderful things about the body of Christ and meeting together on Sunday and singing together and worshiping together it reminds you of your hope, right? And how many of you have had people in your lives that have spoken hope back into you when you needed it, when you felt like giving up, when you felt shipwrecked, when you felt hopeless, and just the word of the Lord came to you through somebody who said, no, lift up your eyes. I've got, God's got something more for you. You can't give up now, right? Romans 15, 13 was read earlier this morning, and I'm so glad this is in the Bible. May the God of hope 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. The great news this morning is that the God of hope has the Holy Spirit available to you to refill you and recharge you and empower you with hope. You don't even have to do it in your own strength. You don't have to try and muster it up. You need to make yourself available for him to pour it back into you when you're losing it. Anybody lost it? <laughs> I want to read this to you in a couple other versions. May God, the inspiration and foundation of hope, fill you to overflowing with the uncontainable joy and peace as you trust in him. May the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to refill your hope. When you need to be recharged, when you don't have it in your own strength, when you don't see the way forward, when you are just so bogged down with the circumstances or by your own personal pain or by the things that you're walking through or by the people around you, this is the time when you need the power of the Holy Spirit to pour that back into you where you don't have it. I have felt that. How many of you have felt that? Where you just think, man, I just don't see a way forward. And then you're, you just say, God, I need you. I need your help so much. And sovereignly, supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, something gets infused into you that you didn't have before. Supernatural strength and hope. I love it. I want to read you this uh, quote from Bill Hybels. He's actually quoting Nicky Gumbel. <laughs> so you get a double whammy. Our, our world is wondering, will darkness and evil prevail? Will poverty increase? Will violence and war persist? Will marriages keep breaking up? Will depression rob people of joy? Does it have to end like this? In Christ, it most certainly doesn't have to end like this. And Nikki Gumbel says, we steward the only message on planet Earth that can give people what their hearts need most, hope. Hope that sins can be forgiven. Hope that prayers can be answered. Hope that doors of opportunity that seem locked can be opened. Hope that broken relationships can be reconciled. Hope that diseased bodies can be healed. Hope that damaged trust can be restored. Hope that dead churches can be resurrected. Of all people, we must proclaim the message of hope to everyone that God gives us the opportunity to influence. Amen. Tanya, can you come up here, Pastor Tanya, for a sec? Uh, there's a few things I want to pray for this morning before we go into communion. And... Uh, 
that uh, Cornerstone song is just on my heart all week, so I'm so glad you played that this morning. I have a few questions for you today. I know that was a, wow, I'm just getting shorter, shorter preacher as I'm getting older. That's awesome. Um, do you have an anchor? That's my first question to you. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, wow, I've never heard that before. I don't, I didn't know Jesus could be my anchor. Where are you putting your hope? Are you putting it in things? Are you putting it in him? Do you need to your perspective to change in order to keep going? Just like those kids that got the college tuition promised to them and they had a shift of perspective to the future that they knew was going to be good because someone was providing something for them. I mean, that's a very earthly example of something eternal and powerful that God wants to shift your perspective. If you're going through a tough season right now, that we win. And God's got you. He's the way. Maybe you need to shift something in your perspective and see the end game so that you have power in the present. Do you need the Holy Spirit this morning to come and renew and empower you with his hope from heaven? Because you don't have it here on earth. I do. And who can you encourage with hope this Advent season? As we're coming into this season, Christmas season, and God puts people in front of you everywhere you go. Can you be a hope deliverer, a hope giver to the people around you? I want to pray for you. Thank you, God of all hope. Thank you, Lord, that you are our anchor, that you keep us from getting shipwrecked, that you keep us from drifting, that you are immovable, unshakable, eternal. We have something so much bigger than ourselves to keep us anchored and grounded in life. When we feel like we're floundering, God, you come and you sink that anchor so deep and you tether it to us, and nothing and no one can pluck us out of your hands and unattach us from that anchor. Lord, I pray this morning that if there's people here that have never experienced you as their anchor, that you would invade hearts and lives today. Lord, are there adjustments in our thinking? Is there anything that needs to shift this morning? We've been so bogged down with earthly things that we've forgotten the end game would you rearrange our thoughts would you shift things in us in our perspective to see that you have good things in store and you've got us no matter where we are you are the way you are the truth you're the life you have maps laid out you have journeys laid out for us 
You have things that we can't even imagine good things planned for us. Holy Spirit, we just want to ask you to come and renew us today. There's areas of our hearts and lives where we've lost hope. We just ask the Holy Spirit right now to come and recharge, refill, renew, pour into your people this morning unshakable hope that comes from heaven. And Lord, we pray that you would make us vessels of hope this Christmas season to those that we meet and those that are in our homes, those that we encounter, that we carry this message of hope in our hearts. I just want to sing this song in closing before we go into communion. Is that okay? Our hope is built on nothing less. Why don't you just stand up? On nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' with me. 